I was going to say following the kids was going to be hard, but I, I appreciate that. That's a little, little boost of encouragement. You know, when I was a senior pastor, we would uh, outline a series, a preaching series, like Pastor Matt does on the book of Acts. You know, there's always be some passages I'm like, ah, I don't think I want to preach that passage. You know, so I would go to the youth pastor and say, hey, you want to preach from the book of Acts? And you're like, yeah, yeah, sure. You know, how about, you know, May 23rd? Yeah, super. So, yeah, great. And I start walking out. Like, well, what passage is it? Oh, yeah, the passage that Judas spills his innards on the field. Yeah, I'm sure you'll do a great job. And you'll be a blessing to everybody. Now, I'm not saying Pastor Matt did that to me. But, you know, but I was going to preach next week, but when I couldn't, he definitely volunteered this week. So I don't know about that. Well, see, no, I really appreciate the opportunity to, to be here and to share with you this morning from, uh, from God's Word. Um, when Deanna and I first got married, we lived in Orlando, Florida for three years. And uh, NASA did a number of missions from Cape Canaveral at that time. And, you know, it was always cool to see the blast off, especially some of the night missions. You know, you would see that blast off for, for miles. Uh, but even before that, you know, the countdown, always counting out from 10, you know, 10, and just making sure they were mission ready. They would check all their systems, you know, booster system, you know, check. Cooling system, check. Brake system, check. Just kidding, it didn't have brakes. Just, just still, seeing if you're with me. Uh, but, you know, going through all, you know, are, are we mission ready? Because they were going to embark on just a crucial mission. I kind of see that this passage is kind of like that. I mean, next week is Acts chapter 2. Pastor Mark's preaching. and I mean, it's it. The Holy Spirit's coming, and it is mission go. But this week's important, too. Asking them, are they ready for the mission? The greatest mission of all time, the mission to invade the darkness with the light of the gospel, the truth of Jesus, the mission to bring Jesus into broken hearts and broken lives and reclaiming them for the God of the universe. You know, were they ready? You know, that mission was not only for them in Jerusalem, but that mission continues today to the other parts of the world, to the tri-state area. It's a mission that in involves you and me. Are we ready for the mission? How are we doing for the mission? What, how are we going to be successful in this incredible privilege that God has given us? Well, if you turn your Bibles to Acts 1, we're going to begin with verse 12 and finish the end of the chapter. And on this 10-day countdown, I want to share with you three factors for being mission-ready, for being successful in what God has called us to do. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, the Sabbath day walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, James, and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, and son of Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. They all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women, with Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. In those days, Peter stood up among the believers, a group numbering about 120, and said, Brothers, the Scriptures had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke long ago through the mouth of David concerning Judas, 
who served as a guide for those who arrested Jesus. He was one of our number and shared in this ministry. Luke writes this aside. With the reward he got for his wickedness, Judas bought a field. There he fell headlong. His body burst open and all his intestines spilled out. Everyone in Jerusalem heard about this, so they called the field in their language, Akaldama, which is the field of blood. For, said Peter, it is written in the book of Psalms, may his place be deserted, let there be no one to dwell in it, and may another take his place of leadership. Therefore, it is necessary to choose one of the men who have been with us the whole time. The Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from John's baptism to the time when Jesus was taken up from us. For one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. So they proposed two men, Joseph called Barsabbas, also Justice, and Matthias. When they prayed, Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which of these you two you have chosen to take over this apostolic ministry, which Judas left to go where he belongs. Then they cast lots. The lot fell to Matthias. So they added to the 11 apostles. The first factor for being successful in our mission is utter dependence upon the Holy Spirit. As Pastor Matt preached beginning of chapter 1 last week, and Jesus promised them the gift of the Holy Spirit. So when the angels left, what did the apostles do? Well, they headed back to Jerusalem to pray. Before they tried any miracles, before they preached anything about Jesus, before they tried any acts of kindness, they went back and it says that they all joined constantly in prayer. Ten days of committed, dedicated prayer. But it didn't stop here. Throughout the book of Acts, we'll see Acts 2.42, they were devoted to prayer. Acts 4.24, together in prayer. I mean, they took seriously Jesus' words in John 15.5 when Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. Nothing of value. Nothing of lasting value. Nothing of my kingdom. Apart from me. Through His presence, the Spirit. Throughout the book of Acts, we'll read about the Holy Spirit giving them words to speak at just the right time. The courage to face the religious leaders. Boldness to face persecution. And to speak about Jesus when it was not popular to speak about. Power to do miracles. Love to love one another and to love their enemies, leading them into conversations like Philip and the Ethiopian, or into distant lands like Paul on his missionary journeys. It would be the Holy Spirit who would open up eyes and soften hearts as they preach the truth about Jesus, like Cornelius and his family. Some call the, the book of Acts the Acts of the Apostles, but it's really more accurately called the Acts of the Holy Spirit. Because really, after Acts chapter 1, there will be some of these apostles we no longer hear about. We don't know anything about them. Not that they weren't involved, not that they didn't do critical things for the mission, but Luke didn't record that. But what he does record is the involvement of God's Spirit almost every page. And as the apostles and early disciples in the church just depended 
upon him for everything that they were called to do. Why is this important? You and I are never going to be an apostle. I'm not going to be an apostle. As a matter of fact, they didn't even replace any of the 12. They replaced Judas who, who, who betrayed Jesus. But once that, after some of them started passing away, they didn't replace them. But you and I aren't going to be an apostle. But you and I can be filled with the same Spirit who filled them. That same Spirit can give you the words to speak when you're trying to share about Jesus. Same Spirit can give you courage to speak when it's not very popular to speak about Jesus. Same Spirit can give you love for that fellow employee who, let's be honest, isn't very lovable. Extra grace required. Same Spirit can be active in our life. And that's the point. We're called to be mission, but we are called to utterly depend upon Him. Acts 13, 42, and the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit, the same Spirit that we can be filled with. You know, I love the story in Acts chapter 19 when some Jews saw what, what, what Paul were, was doing and they thought, hey, we kind of like that, that's, pop, that's cool and it's popular. And so seven of them got together and they tried to cast out a demon in the name of Jesus. I mean, they even used the formula, right? But they weren't believers and there was no Holy Spirit power present. And it says that demon whooped up on them. They actually took off bleeding and naked because they had no power. And it shows us that what we're involved in is pretty serious. We are invading the kingdom of darkness. But if we depend on God's spirit, God's power, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, can work through us, can work through you. What's neat to see is that Mary, the, the mother of Jesus here, the one who had entrusted her womb to the Spirit years earlier, is now praying for God's Spirit. Not only that, some of Jesus' siblings, Luke records for us, James and, and Jude became early leaders of the church. Some of his family who didn't believe on him when he was here on earth, they even thought he was a bit crazy. But now they believed, and they're carrying on the mission that Jesus gave them. So utter dependence upon God's Spirit. But also, number two, the second factor is, is utter surrender to Jesus. Sometimes during those days, uh, Peter stands up and he kind of addresses the elephant in the room. <laughs> what are we going to do about Judas? I mean, how can someone, he, he had seen the miracles. He had heard the teaching. He had spent time with the Son of God. Betray him like that. I think the hint there is when they begin to pray for a, a replacement. They replay, Lord, you know everyone's heart. You know everyone's heart. I don't believe Judas was following Jesus for Jesus. I think Judas was following Jesus for himself, for what it meant for him, his dreams, his own aspirations, his achievements. We know that Judas got the role of treasurer of the purse for the ministry 
right? So if Jesus is going to conquer the Romans and he's going to take over and set his kingdom, who's in line to be in the department of the treasury? Judas. I think that's what he was thinking about. As a matter of fact, John gives us a little insight into him. John writes that when Mary, remember, poured some expensive perfume over Jesus to prepare him for his burial, Judas got angry. He said that could have been sold and, and given to the poor. But John writes this, he did not say this because he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Judas hadn't surrendered to Jesus. As a matter of fact, he was taking. I think when Judas realized the plans, of his plans for Jesus weren't quite working out, that's kind of when he bailed and took advantage of the moment for himself. 30 pieces of silver. That's when Satan enters his sinful heart, his heart that wasn't surrendered. What comes to mind is later when Peter wrote his, his letter, 1 Peter 3, 15. He says, but in your heart set apart Christ as Lord. In your heart. He goes on to say, be ready to give an account of the hope that you have in Jesus. So he's talking about the mission. But what's important for the mission is setting apart Christ as Lord. To say that we have set apart Christ or to live it is really to, to allow Jesus to be sovereign over everything. Everything of who I am. Everything of what I have. All of it. My time. My commitments. My money. My relationships. That it all goes under His Lordship. As a matter of fact, if we look in the book of Acts and you kind of take note, you'll see that Jesus is called Savior twice. But He's called Lord 92 times. When Savior and Lord are put together, Lord is always first. So really, we probably shouldn't call Jesus my Savior, but Jesus is my Lord who saves me. As Lord, He is worthy of everything. If we're going to be successful in this mission, I think more and more people are going to need to see Jesus being Lord of our life. Now, this isn't something we just do on a Sunday morning and then forget about it the rest of the week. That's kind of how I lived for many years. But it's allowing and setting apart Jesus as Lord. You know, that's not something we're kind of popular. We don't, really don't speak that way anymore, do we? Lord. You know, my wife, uh, some of you don't know, maybe she, she was the one here down here dancing with the kids, the director of, of uh, children's ministry here at Hope. Uh, but she's got a condition. I kind of call it as the Downton Abbeyism condition. Maybe, yeah, you can pray for her. <laughs> you can pray for me. When she's watching it, like I need an interpreter because, you know, it's, it's, it's a show about this Downton Abbey estate in England, uh, you know, years ago, um, and I, I can't even understand what they're saying. But I do know a very popular phrase that they say, my Lord, yes, my Lord, no, my Lord, yes, my Lord, no, my Lord. So, you know, she, I think my wife was definitely born at a different time in the wrong country, so to try to help her out. 
So try to help her out. One day I said to her, "Hun, if you, if this would help her out, you can start addressing me as my Lord. <laughs> you know, whether it's in public or in private, it doesn't matter. I mean, if it, it's all about you, if it'll help, just say my Lord whenever you want. And and uh, she hasn't taken me up on that. <laughs> but most importantly, she has set apart Christ as Lord in her life, and it's very evident." 2 Chronicles 16.9, for the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to Him. Have you set apart Christ as Lord? Does Jesus have His rightful place in your life? The third factor here is this utter conviction of the truth and the power of the gospel. In replacing Judas, there was really kind of one qualification. I mean, really the key was that he had to have been there from day one and, and to see everything and to experience it all the way up to the ascension. They needed someone who was convinced, someone who had no doubts, because this person most likely would have to die for what he was going to proclaim about Christ. Most of the apostles did. They were persecuted. Many of them tortured, many of them killed. You had to be convinced of the truthfulness. They were going to have to tell a kind of a crazy message to people, Jews and Gentiles, that God came down to earth to save us through His death, but ultimately rose in victory over death to offer us new life. It would require someone was sure. Later, John would write this, that was from the beginning which we have heard, which we have seen with our own eyes, that which we have looked at and our hands have touched. This we proclaim concerning the word of life. You know, Thomas Doubting Thomas wouldn't believe until he saw and felt. But Jesus' words were pretty significant when he said, you know, blessed are you, Thomas, but blessed are those who don't get to touch and feel you and I today, but still believe because of these eyewitness accounts. Because we need to be convinced that when we speak about Jesus, that God's power is unleashed. It's not our personality programs, great music, ultimately God's Spirit using the truth of Jesus. So they had to be witnesses. They didn't have to be scientists. They didn't have to prove it. They didn't have to be lawyers. They didn't have to try it. Just witnesses of what they've experienced about Jesus. I love what Paul later wrote in his letter to the Romans. He said, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of of God for salvation for everyone who believes, first for the Jews and then for the Gentiles. Do we believe it is the power of God for salvation? I pray as we go through this series, as Pastor Matt leads us through the series of, uh, in the book of Acts, every one of us becomes more and more convinced of the truth and the power of the message of Jesus for our own lives, 
but also for those around us who are hopeless, who are just wandering in darkness, so lost. I mean, aren't people just so lost and just searching for what we've experienced in Christ? Some of us would say, you know, who are we? We're nobody. But God is in the business of using ordinary people to do extraordinary things. I mean, they actually will call the, the apostles, they are unschooled, ordinary fishermen. I mean, that wasn't a compliment back then. I mean, they, they basically had nobodies. But God used them to change the world. What can God do through us here in the tri-state area? The fact that Luke records that there were 120 men is kind of important because the Jews believe that there needed to be 120 men for a new community to start. And the fact that they replaced the 12th apostle is significant because there were 12 tribes of, of, of Israel and now there were 12 apostles saying, God is doing something new. A new community, a new work, a new mission. And it's a mission that includes you. Both it's a mission for you, but then it's a mission to include you for others. To be the church without walls. Will we be the church without walls here in the tri-state area? That the, is the amazing privilege that God gives us an invitation to do so. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for uh, Luke recording for us these crucial events in the book of Acts. And as we see your church begin in the mission unleashed for the world. How exciting uh, to be able to read these first accounts as the church was just trying to figure this out. But as they were experiencing your power in unbelievable ways. But Lord, we know that you included this for us, not just for historical value, but so that we might believe, so that we might know that Jesus came for us, like the kids saying, tell the world that Jesus loves them, just like he loves us. And Lord, we thank you for your mission to us to seek and to save those who were lost, which includes every one of us but then this mission to include us, to be part of it. God, I pray that every one of us would see the opportunities we have at work, at school, our sports clubs, our hobbies, that they're all opportunities to be on mission with you, that no matter where we are, what we're doing, who we're with, that we are a mission with you. May we utterly depend upon you to guide us in the conversations and to give us strength and to give us love to make a difference for you. Utterly depending upon you, setting you apart in our life as Lord and experiencing the power of the gospel. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
Well, thank you for joining us uh, this weekend, whether it's uh, here in person or online. And um, we just pray that you go in this place in the power of the gospel, being the church without walls. In Jesus' name, amen.